Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show, and our topic today is the essence of Kriya Yoga. We're going to be discussing spiritual teacher Roy Eugene Davis. My guest today is Ryan Kurzak. Ryan was ordained in 2005 by Roy Eugene Davis, who was a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. Ryan is the host of the Kriya Yoga podcast, the director of the two-year online Kriya Yoga apprenticeship program, and the director of the Asheville Vedic Astrology Apprenticeship Program. You can learn more about Ryan Kurzak and his programs at kriyayogaonline.com. Welcome, Ryan Kurzak. I'm so glad you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So before we dive into our dialogue about the essence of Kriya Yoga, let's begin with a moment of contemplation, a yoga moment. Let's begin how we mean to go on. So let's begin just by bringing our attention to our bodies. Whatever you're doing, just pay attention. Bring your attention to any point at which your body is supported in space. So if you're sitting, you may feel the chair, perhaps your feet are on the floor. If you're walking, maybe driving, just feeling the surfaces that support your body. And then turn your attention to the breath. Just noticing as you take a fully conscious breath, notice the inhale and the exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the next exhale, feeling the warm air flowing out. Just following the breath, not needing to change it, just noticing the natural flow. Resting, resting here in our essence of being. And as we rest here, right where we are, Here's something to contemplate, a poem from Roy Eugene Davis. This was taken from his book of prose poems, Mystic Reflections. I had often prayerfully wondered what life was for. In a still moment, the answer came. 
a sudden insight that emerged from depths long hidden. Wordless knowing of the primordial wholeness in which all dramas of relative existence flawlessly portray their inherent purposes. Tranquil and still, I wondered no more. So once again, Ryan Kurzak, welcome to the Yoga Hour. It's really delightful to have you as a guest and to discuss your guru, Roy Eugene Davis, with you. Mr. Davis was also the guru of the Yoga Hour's founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. So he's my param guru, my kind of grandpa guru. (laughs) Uh, We wanted to focus the show on Mr. Davis since March 9th, which is going to be in just a few days, would have been his 90th birthday. And then it also March is an important month because as Mahasamadhi was on March 27th, 2019. So it's been just a couple of years now since he passed. Your new book, The Essence of Complete Kriya Yoga Practice in the Words of a Kriya Yoga Guru, includes transcripts from some of Mr. Davis's talks. I also wanted to point listeners to the archive of prior episodes of the Yoga Hour because we have many conversations, Yoga Hour conversations with Mr. Davis that are always worth listening to. You can find them in our archive at unity.fm slash the Yoga Hour. You can also just, in whatever uh, podcast app you use, you can also just put his name, Roy Eugene Davis, and you will they'll come up. And there, I'm, there's many of them <clears throat> over the 10 years of the show. So I wanted to give a little background about Mr. Davis, talk about his life story. So um, I will uh, do that. And I'm sure you'll, you know, you'll probably have uh, many reflections to add over your many years of being his student. But um, I have always been inspired by his life story. So Mr. Davis, Roy Eugene Davis, grew up on a farm in Ohio and discovered yoga initially by reading books from the library. He read Paramahansa Yogananda's book, Autobiography of a Yogi, and he recognized that Yogananda was his spiritual teacher. And again, this is just remarkable to me because we're talking about, this is like the 1940s, because he left in 1949, he left Ohio, age 18, very young, traveled across America to study with Yogananda and was accepted as Yogananda's direct disciple. So I just think about that, 1940s, this 1949, this young man, 18 years old, he's so sure (laughs) of this that he just takes off and he travels with his parents' permission, travels across the country, arrives at Self-Realization Fellowship headquarters in, in the Mother Center in Los Angeles just before Christmas in 1949. Anyway, after spending a few months at Self-Realization Fellowship in Los Angeles, Yogananda sent Mr. Davis to Phoenix to work in the Self-Realization Fellowship Center there. And then during the next few years, every 60 days, Mr. Davis traveled to wherever Yogananda was located and spent a few days with him. I'm just thinking about that. Here's this ability to be with Yogananda for a few days every every couple of months. It's quite remarkable, really. And here's this young man, 18, 19, 20 years old, as he's going through these things. Yogananda was often at his desert retreat center in 29 Palms, California. And these visits continued until Yogananda's death in March 1952. 
Um, Mr. Davis had been ordained prior to Yogananda's passing. He, Mr. Davis was ordained to teach Kriya Yoga, and Mr. Davis carried on this mission for over 60 years. That's just remarkable, right? He taught within the United States. He taught throughout the world, published a monthly magazine, and also wrote numerous books. And I can highly recommend Mr. Davis's book, Paramahansa Yogananda as I Knew Him, for any listeners who would like to learn more about what it was like to study directly with Yogananda's has great stories in it. So with that as a little uh, intro, a little, uh, you know, preliminary overview of, of Mr. Davis's life, um, Ryan Kurzak, how did you meet Roy Eugene Davis and what attracted you to study with him? Well, my uh, my first experience with Mr. Davis was a little less romantic than uh, his experience <laughs> with Yogananda. Um, I had been interested in philosophy and psychology and religion um, uh, probably once I became a teenager, and I became interested in meditation um, a few years before I met Mr. Davis. And uh, I grew up in West Virginia, which is where I am now, and there weren't any yoga studios. There, there was nothing yoga or meditation related where I was at the time, except for one woman who was giving classes um, at a local um, college. And she recommended, after she found out I was interested in meditation, she said, why don't you read the book Autobiography of a Yogi? So yeah. I said, okay, I'll read that book. And I read it. And when I read the book, my first experience was, this is the answer to what I've been wanting, you know, studying psychology and philosophy in college and esoteric and occult things before that. It was as if I knew that by following this path, um, it would be able to answer those questions. So that that poem that you read by Mr. Davis kind of speaks to that. And mm -hmm. and I, I couldn't remember the exact poem, but as you were going, I was thinking, yes, he's going to put it into words. And then just as it is with mysticism, he doesn't put it into words. He explains it as this, uh, this, this inner knowing, which is beyond words. But anyway, so I read Autobiography of a Yogi, and I had a sense that it could be figured out that way. And um, I thought, well, this is what I want to do. I want to learn Kriya Yoga. And so I asked the, the yoga teacher, the Hatha yoga teacher, I said, well, can you initiate me? Because I figured any yoga teacher can do this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and she said, no, I can't. Um, and then she said, well, you can either go to California or we've been to Center for Spiritual Awareness in Georgia, where there is a direct student of Yogananda's. Right. So mine was more practical because I was just just getting out of college. I had no money. Uh, there's no way I was going to cough up $3,000 to go to, to California. So I drove to Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and that's my, my first retreat experience was, um, I remember walking into the meditation hall about 545, 530 in the morning. It was dark. And I, I went and I sat down in the middle row. Uh, and then about 15 minutes later, Mr. Davis walked in and he was just a very tall, well-groomed man. I, I hadn't seen him before. I didn't know what to expect. And he walked up and he lit a candle on the altar and then lit a stick of incense and waved it in front of the pictures of the, the Kriya teachers. And then he sat down. And when he sat down, all of a sudden I was overwhelmed with emotion. Oh. Uh, I wasn't really an emotional person, but here I am starting to sob. And oh. uh, But it, there was also uh, an anticipation about it too. Um, and I got that under control and we did this half hour meditation and afterwards I just walked up to him and introduced myself and he shook my hand and said, I'm glad you're here. 
and then that was it. <laughs> so, so that was how I that was how I met Mr. Davis. <laughs> and then you you proceeded to study with him for a long time, right? Like yes. I think you said twenty years or something like that. Is that right? Yeah, it was about 18 or 19 when he passed. Um, I met him in, in 2000, and yeah. once I learned Korea, that was pretty much it. I just stuck with it. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. wow. So um, you kind of even almost alluded to it here, but how would you describe, uh, for people who didn't have a chance you know, to meet him in person, how would you describe his teaching style? Yes, well, it, definitely direct and to the point and not a lot of fluff. So when I would, when I, and that's what attracted me to him once I did get to know him. Right. Uh, because while I enjoyed autobiography of Yogi, you know, Yogananda is a bit more uh, verbose than <laughs> Mr. Davis was. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, what I appreciated about Mr. Davis was he just told you what you needed to do and basically expected you to do it. And, and my temperament responded very well to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I should mention that that um, over my uh, now almost 20 years of studying with Yogacharya O'Brien, I did make many trips, several trips back to the Center for Spiritual Awareness and study, did, did some retreats with him back there. Also, he would come every year to the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment and do a weekend, and I would often attend those as well. So I know exactly what you mean. And one of the things that always really appealed to me about him was he was just so straightforward. He was just so present and um, it just really had this, this way of stating things that was just so common sense. Mm -hmm. In fact, he would, he would often say that, right? People. <laughs> Just use your common sense. You know? Yes. Well, he he would also say he would also say the problem with common sense is that it's not very common. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So looking back on the many years that you had with him, what do you feel was the most important thing that Mr. Davis taught you? I it, I reflected upon that for a while and. You know, everything that I know about Kriya Yoga, uh, I, I learned from him. Uh, even as I was studying for those few decades, um, I, I rarely read anything else other than uh, his commentary on the Yoga Sutras and his commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. Um, he taught me how to be practical in this life. And when I think about probably one of the greatest lessons he taught me actually came uh, near the end of his life. Um, because my wife, uh, about nine months before he passed, she also passed away, and she was a, a student of Mr. Davis's as well. And she went through a, a, about a year and a half of some difficult medical treatment before she passed, and when they found out that there was nothing else she could do, you know, of course, we were in touch with Mr. Davis, and he said to me, always remain established in the self. Mm -hmm. And he also said, I wish I could perform miracles. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason I, I really appreciate that is because he didn't say, just pray harder, mm. or he didn't he didn't bring up any kind of false hope. He just said, the best thing you can do is remain established in the self. And then he admitted that he, he is there and he can't perform miracles, but he wished he could. Mm. And then at the uh, near the very end, he came to visit us in Asheville when we were living there. And... Um, uh, Ron drove him up and we sat for maybe two or three hours at the table and my wife was there, my late wife, Melissa, and we were all just having a wonderful conversation like normal. And she, one moment she looked over and she just said, I'm scared. 
And he just reached out and took her hand and held it. And all he said was, I know. And I, I know these sound like simple things, but to me, from I knew he had integrity. I, I knew what he was about. But in those moments, it really kind of solidified mm -hmm. this sense of, of being present with what is going on and not trying to explain things away spiritually. So I like the way that he he taught me to embrace life uh, in that way, embrace life with what is happening rather than trying to explain things away spiritually speaking. Does this make sense what I'm trying to get at? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are those are really um sounds like it was a quite a remarkable and difficult time, you know, mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. Um when I think about him, one of the things that I most think about is just the steadfastness right. that he had, which is so inspirational to me. So here's a man who found his teacher, spiritual teacher at an extremely young age, you know, think about what I was like at 18, 19, 20, you know? So he finds this teacher and well, first of all, also talk about this is the 1940s. Like I said, I mean, now we have yoga studios on almost every, <laughs> almost every corner, right? Yes. <laughs> 1940s. This is right. the 1940s, you know, and for him to be so moved and sure, you know, of, of what his life path was, was, was quite remarkable for me to think about, but then to follow it for 60 years after mm -hmm. those first few years with his teacher, it just is, you know, and that's one of the things that he taught about the importance of a daily schedule, the importance of, um, particularly the importance of regular meditation practice. Right. And of course he, he lived that. So, mm -hmm. um, that was one of the most important lessons for me from yeah. looking at, from looking at his life. Right. So it sounds like you've already talked about some of the important things he taught you. Is there anything, anything you want to add another important thing that he taught you? You know, you mentioned the idea of, of steadfastness and, and being intentional and that, probably was one of the most important things. Um, you know, when I first met him, I was just barely out of college and um, I, I didn't have any experience. You know, I, I didn't really know what, what life was all about. And, and I had this idea after reading Autobiography of a Yogi that, you know, everything was just going to magically work out because Divine Mother is going to come to my aid in, in, every, <laughs> in every circumstance. <laughs> and, uh, and, and one of the things that, that he taught me was that the more intentional you are, the, the better things tend to go. Right. And also he taught me the importance of planning. I liked planning. It was fine. But, you know, when when he would plan the truth journals, he already had them written, you know, months in advance. Mm -hmm. When when he thought about what his schedule was going to be when it came to writing books or, or offering retreats, he had all of this planned out. And so one of the, the most important things he taught me in that regard was to just be intentional about where you're going in life or, or, or what you're aiming to do. Plan it out as best you can. Stick with it. And then, of course, leave room for the little dance you have to do when things come up. Um, but in that way, what I have found is that it, it helped to organize not only my, my what we could call my mundane life, but it helped to organize my spiritual life too. So they became in harmony. So that intentionality that, that, that he had and that he shared, I think that was one of the most important things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for those who listeners who didn't get a chance to meet him, is there another story about him that you'd like to share? Maybe a, a, some time that you were, I don't know, on retreat with him or 
some <laughs> conversation. Yeah, well, there's there's a few things that, that come to mind, and um, I, I guess they might be kind of funny or comical, but um, for some reason, once I discovered that Mr. Davis was a student of Yogananda's and, and you get into the whole mythology of yogis, you, you kind of get in the idea in your mind that these teachers can can read your mind and and and, and they know what you're thinking. And, and, and so I was kind of intimidated a little bit by him for probably the first two or three years. Um, and I can remember after a while, I thought to myself, um, actually, he had told a story at one of the CSA retreats about moving through fear. So I thought, well, I need to get over this. So I, uh, I was walking up to the guest house and he was getting out of his car and um, I, I just walked up to him and I said, you know, I really have to tell you something. And he said, what? I said, sometimes uh, I'm really intimidated by you and, you and you scare me. And he just went, boo, and jumped at me. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he walked away. <laughs> And and that that's a great story. Yeah, and that that's that was so out of character for him, as as you know, to 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 kind of be that. Well, he did have some funny jokes, and then another time I remember, uh, for the first part of my adult life, uh, I was a massage therapist and did a lot of craniosacral therapy and things, and I can remember a time um, when he he said, "Next time you come to visit, bring your massage table. I, I'd like to get a massage." And I'm pretty sure he told me that he had never had a massage before. A part of me doesn't believe that because by that time he would have been 72 or so. And you know, he lived through the sixties and the seventies. I'm sure he got a massage at some point, but um, anyway, so we brought the massage table, set it up and I gave him a massage and I was, I was moving through that massage and I got done and I, I walked in the back room to let him, you know, uh, get dressed and, and do what he needed to do. Uh, and Melissa looked at me and she said, are you done? I said, yeah, why? She said, that was only a half hour. And I, I said, I could have sworn that was an hour and a half. I was, I was actually still so nervous. <laughs> and, and he came out uh, after he got dressed and he said, oh, well, that was great. That was a very good massage. So again, either he was, either he truly had never had a massage before <laughs> or he was just being nice. <laughs> so um, I wanted to touch on the book. Uh, that you that you wrote that was released last year, the essence of complete Kriya Yoga practice in the words of a Kriya Yoga guru. Lovely picture of the two of you. I think this is his little study uh, that the, where the picture comes from. So um, tell me about the book. What made you decide to write this book, which is actually transcriptions of the conversations that you had with Mr. Davis, and it's it's um, really uh, lovely addition for me of the writing that he did because um, because it's transcriptions. And as you said, someone talks a little bit differently than they write. And and that there was something that was lovely for me about reading the book is his I could hear it in his voice almost having experienced that myself. So anyway, what, what made you decide to, to write the book? Well, after he passed, um, a, a, a great urge or inspiration arose in me um, to redouble my efforts in being able to offer this work. And um, the transcriptions were two interviews that I, two of them were interviews that I had done with him um, in, in the chalet in that office space that you see on the book there. Um, and these were these were interviews that I had done with him that I listened to all the time because they're on my, my Kriya Yoga uh, online YouTube channel. So when I would be driving down the road or paddle boarding, I would just pop in my earphones and listen to those and I would recommend them to people. 
And the other talk was from, um, we began doing uh, the two-year Kriya Yoga apprenticeship course, and uh, he allowed us to come to CSA, and I was able to lead the retreats for those students. And this was a talk that he did for those students, and I recorded it and also put it on my YouTube channel. So they're available if you actually want to hear him saying these words. Uh, and I listened to them so often that it just occurred to me that even though this isn't getting into the techniques, this was very much speaking to what it means to practice Kriya Yoga, what it means to live a Kriya Yoga lifestyle. So I figured, well, let's get this in book form because Mr. Davis also loved books. Mm -hmm. Whenever he would talk about um, the Truth Journal or his books, he would just talk about his love for books and how just keeping it in your environment can be uh, uplifting for you. So I thought this could be a little book that might be able to fulfill that need for people uh, just to have around and, and find inspiration with. Mm-hmm. No, it, it is. It's lovely. And I particularly enjoyed, as I said, the the fact that it was spoken. It's a transcription of a spoken conversation. So something about him really does come across, which is which is lovely and was a great reminder for me, and particularly at this time in March, which is his, as I mentioned, the month of his birthday and also the month of his that marked his uh, passing a few years ago. Right. So um, maybe we can. We have about a couple minutes before the break. Um, one of the questions that you asked Mr. Davis in the book <clears throat> is what he would say was the most important quality a meditator can have to encourage full self-realization. Right. And then you, of course, you know, he, he answers the you know question. Can you, can you talk about that a bit? What did he say? Yeah. You know, the main thing we had talked a little bit uh, earlier about what he taught me, and that was this idea of being intentional, but also having patience to stick to stick to the path. Because so many people learn the techniques or begin practicing, then they 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 become distracted. So his answer there was characteristic of him to aspire to be fully awake and disciplined and to be very intentional. And by doing that, as your life goes on, as the years and the decades pass, well, then ideally self-realization reveals itself, which um, I think more people could pay attention to that, the the intentionality and the the, the sticking to itness, I guess, of the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And with that, this first segment has really flown by and we're at the time for the break. So you're listening to the Yoga Hour with our guest, Ryan Kurzak, author of the book we're discussing today, The Essence of Complete Kriya Yoga Practice in the Words of a Kriya Yoga Guru. Ryan has also co-authored two books on Vedic astrology and four books on Kriya Yoga and non-dualism. You can learn more about him and his programs on his website, kriyayogaonline.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. After the break, we'll explore more about Roy Eugene Davis and the essence of Kriya Yoga. We'll be right back. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. 
Each prayer and meditation on Positive Prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open Positive Prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome back to the Yoga Hour Insights and Practices for Spiritually Conscious Living Welcome back from the break I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and I am speaking today with Ryan Kurzak, disciple of Roy Eugene Davis and author of the book that we're talking about today, The Essence of Complete Kriya Yoga Practice. So, so Ryan, um, one of the things that Mr. Davis mentions when he was talking with you is uh, some advice that he was given by Yogananda. And... Um, in the in the book, in his conversation, it, he describes it this way. Um, he said the advice was, "You have to go all the way, meaning you have to wake up to com- you have to wake up completely in this incarnation, and you can do it." Which has always been inspiring to me. That advice from Yogananda that this is obviously the goal, and that you can do it. So what has this the importance of this teaching been for you? You know, the, the more we chat, the more I'm kind of recognizing the theme. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and that is the theme of, of, of being intentional and, and having the patience to move forward. And this quote, it is from page 13 of the book, but um, if I recall uh, in his book, um, right. Paramahansa Yogananda, as I knew him, when he's talking about visiting with Paramahansa Yogananda, he was walking around the grounds with Yogananda and he said he never really had any questions for Yogananda, but one time a question came up and Yogananda asked, do you have any questions? And the question that came out was how many of the saints and sages in autobiography of a yogi are fully awake, fully enlightened. And he said, Yogananda came back without judgment, just stating information that not, not many of them are, that most of them are content to hang out in the bliss of God communion and they just stay there. And that's when he followed up with, but you must go all the way and, and you can do it in this incarnation. Mm-hmm. Assuming, yes. I, well, assuming I remember the story, right? Yeah, no, I think so. Yeah. Um, and it was something like, don't look left and don't look right. Look straight ahead, straight yeah. ahead to the goal. And you can right. do it in this lifetime. Yeah. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't look behind you. Look straight ahead to the goal and go all the way. Yeah. And he repeated that often. And again, why I think that is so important is because it's easy for us to get distracted in life. Um, and when we're on a, a, a spiritual path, um, Mr. Davis also would tell a story when he, he saw a, a, a picture, uh, it was kind of like a cartoon or a comic strip in, um, a periodical and it had a, a yogi up on a mountaintop and there was a fellow with a backpack climbing up and he reached the yogi and what he said to the yogi was, I don't want enlightenment. All I want is just enough to get by. Mm. And, and what many of us do what many people do is they come to yoga and and meditation and spirituality because they want to feel better. Mm -hmm. And of course it it does help you feel better, but that's not really the end of it. That's not the purpose of it. Uh, So once a person reaches that state where their life is in, is in balance as it could be, because you know, life is going to happen and they're doing their best. They need to continue 
going deep into meditation, continue using the techniques, continue practicing the yamas and niyamas and the yoga sutras so that they wake up fully beyond this small sense of self and recognize what is true of them and, and what is true of, of everyone. And, and once you have that, well, then you are at peace. Well, then you can relate to life well. Well, then you know what you're what you are um, and, and you're not necessarily going to be so hopefully worried about death or rebirth because you are attuned to your true nature rather than a small body or a small personality. And, and that really is the essence of the Kriya Yoga teaching and the Yoga Sutras and, and yogic philosophy is to go completely beyond that. So going all the way, you just need to do it. <laughs> it's just, it's, <laughs> that sounded like what he would say. You just need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're channeling him now. You're channeling Roy. Yeah. yeah. What What I appreciate about this is that sometimes it. Um, well, let me say it a different way. If you If it's not even a possibility for you in this lifetime, then kind of why bother? And I do. And I have talked to people and heard teachers even say that that it's so rare and, you know, we're not going to get there. So kind of, it's almost like don't even try. But obviously, this is why we're here. We're here to wake up. And the more that, I'll just speak for myself, the more that I meditate, the more clarity, the more of that sattvic energy that I can bring to my own mind, the, the, um, the clearer things become in all aspects of my life. And the less I meditate, <laughs> um, the reverse is true. And I can, I can catch myself in that sometimes. And I do think it's important to hold it as a possibility because otherwise, as I said, it's kind of why, you know, why bother? So that's what I appreciated about him, about Mr. Davis is he was very grounded, very grounded. And, um, very approachable and he made enlightenment and the teachings very grounded and very approachable would you agree i would and, and that brings up two stories that come to mind one's personal and one is more broad um uh, the, the the first one that comes to mind is i remember um it might have been at the very first Korea congress and that was you were probably there maybe in san was, was it in san yeah san yeah, it was the first Korea Congress, and, and he was responding to a question. And it I should was, just mention for people who weren't there that it's a gathering of uh, his of teachers uh, that, that Raging Davis had ordained from all around the world. So they were from Italy and from Germany and from Africa, from Ghana, all over the place. And there was a, it's called the International Kriya Yoga Congress, and just lovely. I mean, mm -hmm. several hundred people, probably, I don't know, what, four or five hundred people, something like that, you yeah. know, came to each of the Kriya Yoga Congresses that happened every every couple of years. So sorry, just to give a little background to listeners. Go ahead. That's okay. We should all go to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> um, at this at this Congress, uh, he was, I believe he was responding to a question, which was, how can I know that when I die, I'm going to be fully awake? Because there's this idea in, in yogic uh, legends that if you bring your awareness to the spiritual higher crown when you die, that you will just merge and melt into the infinite consciousness and that will be it. But I loved his response because he said, well, uh, the only way that you can know that you're going to be completely spiritually awake when you die is to be fully spiritually awake before you go. <laughs> and, so practical. Yeah. And, and, and the reason that came to mind is because, uh, you, you know, this work that we do uh, is, is cumulative. So yeah. let's say in this lifetime, it, it's like this. If, if, if you're aiming to be an Olympic athlete, 
Well, even if you don't make it to be an Olympic athlete in this lifetime, the fact that you have trained and put time and attention to it, you're going to be a heck of a lot healthier than you would have been otherwise. Right. So the same thing is true with, with the spiritual work. We can't just say, um, well, why even try? We have to shoot for the goal and see just how far we get because it's, it's cumulative. It's mm-hmm. cumulative. And the, the other story that came up when you, when you were uh, mentioning your experience with meditation, I remember probably about seven years in where I swore that I was enlightened. <laughs> I, I figured that it that it had done its work. I'm I was fully awake, and this was probably the first time and the only time in this this these few decades where I actually didn't meditate regularly for for a few week period. Uh-huh. Uh, and I remember going to visit Mr. Davis right at the tail end of that because obviously I stopped thinking that once I talked to him, and I told him that. <laughs> I said, "Yeah, I've got this feeling that, that that I'm 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 already completely awake." And he wasn't critical. He didn't laugh at me. He didn't poke fun. All he said was, well, you know, uh, even Lahiri Mahasaya continued to meditate after he was self-realized. <laughs> <laughs> and for listeners who haven't read Autobiography of a Yogi, Lahiri Mahasaya was one of the uh, first um, gurus in the lineage of Kriya Yoga. First was Babaji and then Lahiri Mahasaya. And, and I hold Lahiri Mahasaya with a special place in my heart because he was the one who opened the teachings of Kriya Yoga, which had been prior to that time had been something that was kind of jealously guarded secret and certainly not available for women. And Lahiri was the one who was um, who got permission from Babaji to teach any spiritually um, any spiritual seeker, woman or man. So, and this was, I think, was in the 1860s or something. So it was just really, um, was really great. So to think that he still had to continue to yeah. meditate. <laughs> yeah, he was very. <laughs> That's a good he reminder. Was, he was very, you know, nonchalant about it. He's like, well, you know, even Lahiri Messiah had to meditate or continued to meditate after he was self-realized. And then he just went on with his stories after that. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> so um, speaking of that, I think it, it it's um, touches on something I wanted to talk with you about because this lineage of of Kriya Yoga gurus, which is the one that's described in Autobiography of a Yogi, and then of course Mr. Davis continued that, and Yogacharya O'Brien had, has continued that lineage. Um, but it's made up of both monastics and householders. So, uh, for example, Lahari Mahashaya that we were we were just talking about, after his realization, he continued. He, he and his wife had several more children after that. He had a total of five children, and I, I don't quite know how many came after his meeting with Babaji. But anyway, he continued to live as a as a householder. And again, to me, this just makes it seem possible. This just makes it seem possible. Mr. Davis, although he began as a monastic, as a monk of the Self-Realization Fellowship, he also became a householder. Yogacharya O'Brien is a householder. So um, talk about that. What, mm-hmm. what, uh, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think it's very important to recognize, as, as, as Babaji was quoted to have said in Autobiography of Yogi, that the, the, the kingdom of heaven or the realm of heaven extends clear down to this, this earth realm. And I, I think what a lot of people do, as I mentioned early on, when we become when we come to spirituality or, or when we start to discover these things, oftentimes it's because we want to feel better. Usually there's something that makes us feel like there's we need more or and, and that can lead to a sense of escapism as though it is the world's fault that, that we are not happy or, or that we have these issues. Um, and so while it's very it's a very valid path, the, the monastic path, the, the quickest way, at least in my experience, because it's the only one I've done 
to learn what your hangups are, what your attachments and your aversions are, what you have to work on, what you have to face, what you have to address, what you have to grow through is by participating in the world. Yeah. Because your, your psychological quirks, your problems, they're going to follow you if you're off in a cave. If you're crazy, you're going to be crazy in the cave too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know. And um, I remember a story that, that Mr. Davis told, that Yogananda told, uh, when talking about monastics or, or, or yogis in the Himalayas. Uh, Yogananda would say, you know, I, I've met those yogis in the Himalayas. Uh, during the day, they argue about philosophy and during the night, they argue about who gets the firewood. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but e even in my own experience, because uh, you know, I, I was I'm, I was married. Uh, I'm in a relationship. I, I've participated with the family. I never had children because they scared me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they scared me. Uh, but I remember when I first um, met Mr. Davis and um, when, when he had ordained me, uh, I, you could have considered me a monastic other than the fact that I was married. Uh, you know, I, I did work that allowed me to pay my bills. I took care of myself, but I spent most of the rest of my time, uh, if I wasn't going for walks, meditating. So I was, I was living uh, an internalized life and that was fine. But what I found was that I actually feel like I made more progress when I became more engaged in the world, when I, when I engaged more of a vocation, more of a sense of duty and participating with this world, because it, in a, in a, in a way it taught me to grow up. Right. It, it taught me how to relate appropriately to others. It taught me compassion for others. It taught me to see that we're all in this experience together. It taught me, um, you know, the experience of the light and the dark, the the suffering and the joy and, and how this is a rise and a fall and it happens to everybody. And, and and that in and of itself, if you can remain centered in the self and continue to meditate, tends to give you a broader view of life mm -hmm. uh, rather than what I was doing initially, which was kind of retreating or, or being more reclusive from participating in life. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing Mr. Davis talk about his early years as a monk and how he would literally meditate for three or four hour stretches, even a couple of times a day, once in the early morning and once in the evening. But subsequently, um, his teachings were meditate a half an hour a day, something like that, less if you're just starting out. But have it be consistent, have it be consistent, have it be at the same time of day. Um, so it was clear that he did not feel that we needed to withdraw from life. And he was a big one to under, underscore what you just said, which is right. that we there are certain things that we can experience or realize on the meditation cushion. And the way you really know if you've learned it or not is go into your go into your regular life because uh, no one can trigger you right. <laughs> as much uh, as the people that you that you live with on a daily basis, right? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and and doing it doing it for for shorter or longer, you know, there, there's also a very practical reason for that because you know a lot of people actually can't meditate well for longer periods of time. They might say they will, and they might be nodding off or going into semi-conscious states. But what happens is once you do it consistently for shorter periods of time and your life is in order, well, then kind of like through the practice of brahmacharya or, or conserving your vital forces, you, your meditation can naturally extend because you're not you're not so easily distracted. You've taken care of your responsibilities and you've trained yourself to stay awake and alert through the process. So, um, you know, that, that deepening of meditation, that length of meditation isn't something to strive for from the beginning, but it's something that, that seems to develop 
as you get your life in order in order and organized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very well said. So, in the in the book, um, in your book, one of the things Mr. Davis touches on is the three main practices of of Kriya Yoga, and I'll have just a a, a brief quote here about that from from your book. So this is from Ray Jean Davis. He said, "Patanjali defined Kriya Yoga in the second chapter of his treatise." as austerity, self-study, and surrender of the illusional sense of self Mm. in order to apprehend and realize the ultimate reality. This is it, to remove the afflictions or the troublesome conditions and to cultivate samadhi or realization of the true nature. This is basically Kriya Yoga practice. So again, so straightforward, so um, just putting it, you know, putting it right out there. Yeah. So the three practices, tapas or uh, austerity, he, he describes it, uh, svadhyaya or self-study, and then Ishvara Pranidhan, the surrender of the illusional sense of self. So I have been so struck in my own practice of Kriya Yoga to see how wide ranging the, uh, you can apply these principles. It's just been remarkable to me. You and I were chatting about that a little bit. So would you say a little bit more about that in your life? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big ask, but that's (laughs) (laughs) just a nutshell, you know, (laughs) Um, well, those three practices, those are uh, how potentially defines it in that that first, or, or excuse me, the second chapter uh, of the Yoga Sutras. And if you if you if you pay attention to those three things, what is austerity? Well, austerity is again being responsible, being disciplined, getting your life and organized, doing what you need to do so that you can meditate well and contemplate deeply. So you have to do those things first, and that's where again this this power of discipline comes into play. Uh, Self study that can go a few different ways. Number one. You have to study yourself, as in your unique mind, body, personality, temperament, to understand um, what is the best route for you or what do you need to do so that you can succeed on this process. But on the other hand, there is the the study of well, what is the real self, the, the capital S self, the big self that is beyond this mind, body, personality. So by studying those two things, it leads you to knowledge. And the idea of surrender of the illusional sense of self, well, Many teachers, and Mr. Davis brought this up a lot, the biggest problem that we have really is just believing that we are this small, limited mind-body unit, rather than recognizing that we are spirit, that we are infinite, that we are eternal, that we are that witness, that we are that ultimate reality. And so, again, the the simplicity of getting your life in order, austerity, and, and being consistent. You know, we talked about meditating consistently. We'll top us consistency in practice, self-study, figuring out what you are in relationship to the wholeness of life, and then surrendering this small sense of self um, to something greater. What that does is it, it frees a person of fear, and it can free it can it can help create a greater sense of faith in the mystery of life without having to understand it all. So it's letting go of the mind in that way. And these these remove the afflictions or the the, the 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 troublesome things which which bind us to this world, or not to this world, bind us to uh, ignorance, I guess. And in the Yoga Sutras, again and again, it, it states that the practices of Kriya Yoga are to remove the afflictions and the obstacles. And it took me a while to get my mind around that. I understood it, but not until one day I was meditating on it and I had this kind of insight or realization 
whenever you're you're away at the beach or on a retreat or somewhere where there's nothing troubling you, I mean, you've really succeeded in letting go of these these troublesome things. What is your natural state? Mm-hmm. It's usually peace and happiness and expansiveness. Um, and so what it, what occurred to me after becoming aware of that is that this is exactly what these practices are doing is they're not making anything new, as Ramana Maharshi would say. They're, they're not revealing anything that's not there, that self-realization isn't an attainment. It's just a, a recognition of what is true underneath all of the stuff that you define yourself by. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, in my own life, uh, obviously, this has had a, a, a profound effect on, on, on how I've understood spirituality, how I've understood what it means to participate in this life. And again, it's, it's the, the, the prime three tenets of, of, of Kriya Yoga practice. So it's, mm-hmm. it's essential to know. Mm-hmm. I appreciated how Mr. Davis would, <clears throat> would often mention, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously the Kriya Yoga Pranayama and the other specific meditation practices that go along with Kriya Yoga and how there was a confusion in the outer, it, for people who don't practice Kriya Yoga, kind of almost a dismissiveness of, it's like, that's all it's about. It's just right. about, it's just about the Kriya Yoga Pranayama. And once you know that, it's, you know. There's plenty of books. <laughs> there's there's not... plenty of, yeah, there's plenty of books on Amazon that'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there are, and you can, you can search on it uh, and, and find the, you know, find the definition of those things. Although having initiation through a person is, is just this remarkable remarkable experience. But anyway, um, Mr. Davis was always clear that that was not Kriya Yoga, that Kriya Yoga was the day-to-day application of these principles that you're talking about to pretty much everything that comes up in life. And that's what has been remarkable to me is to find out how how beautifully these practices have helped me to face just a whole variety of, of different things. There's always something there. If you look at something that's happening in your life and think about it from the perspective of, okay, how's my self-discipline? Like, does this have any relationship to that? Is there anything I can see about myself, any new thing or that I didn't understand that I can see about this new situation? And then is there something that I need to let go of something that I need to surrender? And they've been a, just a remarkable, um, set of companions for me on my own spiritual path that has been just so, so helpful. So I would echo that. Did you have something you wanted to add? Well, as you were talking about it, that kind of triggered a, a, a thought to me, uh, the idea that people think that Kriya Yoga is just a, a series of techniques when, when really, uh, when we study yoga through the Yoga Sutras, uh, the yamas and niyamas, you know, harmlessness, truthfulness, non-stealing, non-attachment, um, this is um, the very first step on the yoga path. And in the Yoga Sutras, they're defined as the great vow, and they're applicable no matter what's going on in your life. And the reason they're so important is because they help to generate that that state of consciousness or that program or that pattern where it's it's easier to recognize what is true of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like, I just like to point out to people that, uh, the yamas and niyamas, or even the qualities, um, that develop sattva or clarity in chapter 16 of the Bhagavad Gita, all these things are necessary alongside of the meditation practice so that it is a holistic, uh, experience. And unbelievably with that, we're in the last minute or so of the show. I did want to give you a chance to, uh, to share, um, is there any, are there any words of encouragement or inspiration that you'd like to leave with our listeners in the last minute or so? 
Yeah. Um, mainly, I would simply just repeat what Mr. Davis said, which would be to be very intentional on your path, to decide that you are willing and, and able to wake up in this lifetime and then do the study, do the work, do the practices that are required of you, and then be patient with yourself because we are in a human body and a human condition, and it will take time and just let the garden grow. Mm. That's lovely. It brought to mind the idea of instead of we are humans that may be having a uh, spiritual experience, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Yes. Yes. So, yes. Nice. Mm -hmm. And with that, you've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the Yoga Hour. And today I've been talking with Ryan Kurzak, author of the book we've been discussing today, The Essence of Complete Kriya Yoga Practice in the Words of a Kriya Yoga Guru. Ryan Kurzak's website is kriyayogaonline.com. Go ahead and check it out. He also has a podcast there you might want to see, and he mentioned a couple of the YouTube videos that are out there as well. So thank you so much, Ryan, for joining me today on the Yoga Hour. It was a pleasure. Thank you. For our listeners, we encourage you to join us for the many online programs offered by Yogacharya O'Brien and the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, including morning meditation, which occurs daily from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. Pacific. There's also afternoon meditation from 4 to 4.30 p.m. Pacific every day except Sunday, and Sunday satsangs from 10 to 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. There is an upcoming online meditation retreat, Master Your Mind, Insights and Practices from the Yoga Sutra with Yogacharya O'Brien, which will run from April 15th to 18th. You can find out more about these and other programs at csecenter.org. Next time on the Yoga Hour, I will be joined by Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, the spiritual director and founder of the Yoga Hour, and we are going to be discussing Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, Yoga's Guide for Living the Spiritual Life with Peace and Purpose. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. And remember, when you listen to the podcast, you can subscribe, which would be great. You can also share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, assistant producers Anne Hayes and Mickey Coronado, and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unityonlineradio.org. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember... You carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. 
You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 